Dermatology. Is it a perfect fit for women in medicine? And why have they created their own women's derm society, one that has a significant percentage of men involved? You're listening to Reach MD, a channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today exploring the topic of women and dermatology is Dr. Mary Lupo, the current president of the Women's Dermatological Society. Welcome, Mary. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. Tell us, as the president, what's so special about your organization? Well, the Women's Dermatologic Society is a very unique group in that it has great diversity. Although 10% of our members are men, the 90% that are women represent women in such varied fields within dermatology. We have dermatologists who are very, very interested in research. We have dermatologists who are very interested in the medical aspect of dermatology. We have some that are very academic and involved in the education of the next generation of dermatologists. And we have dermatologists who are at the forefront of the advances in cosmetic dermatology that are happening now. And your organization binds them all together. We really do. I think our strength, our diversity, and our interest in helping each other in whatever our interests are. You know, the Women's Dermatologic Society evolved from, in the mid-70s, from a group of very, very bright and intelligent women dermatologists who were not able to get on the podium at the AAD, etc. And what they decided was if they pulled together and supported each other and, and sort of campaigned for each other to get on the podium, that it might give more exposure to all women in dermatology. And so the Women's Dermatologic Society evolved from an organization that was about fostering the career and the influence and the exposure of women within our specialty to now we do events that are supportive of medical students and educating them about what dermatology is and educating residents. And we do quite a bit of mentoring where we invite young residents into our offices so they they can learn what it is to run a practice or if you're a research physician, how to write a grant for a proposal on a particular topic. So it's very much about mentoring, but it's even evolved beyond that. We now do outreach into the public, and the Women's Derm Society has something called the Play Safe in the Sun, and where we go to major events, I'm going to the Plano Balloon event, and at that event, we're going to do free skin cancer screenings. And at these skin cancer screenings, we screen thousands of people who perhaps would not have had direct access to a dermatologist. So we have gone beyond supporting each other now to actually supporting people and extending our mentoring to teaching people about healthy sun tips, how to avoid skin cancers, etc. Well, this sounds great. It sounds unlike most professional organizations I know that are about politics and doing good stuff, but it sounds like you're really about caring and compassion and loving. You know, that is a very good observation because I really think that, let's say mentoring, I often tell people I think mentoring is a form of mothering. And I think that's why women make very, very good mothers and mentors is because we know how to communicate and we know what's important. And I think we can sometimes read body language pretty well and understand when people are a little bit more uncomfortable or a little bit hesitant to mention something. And they tend to open up a little bit more to us. You know, there was an interesting study that showed that women see typically fewer patients typically in a day. And I think it's because we talk more 
And when you talk more, you can't see as many people. But is that a bad thing? So I think that it is about mothering. It is about mentoring. It is about outreach to people. And it's such a fabulous group of people. Being president of this organization has been the highlight of my professional career. Now, the more words that women use, can I not take that back to my wife and say, now I, I know it's true, I've been telling you that for years, that you talk more than me? It's not so much what you say, but I think what you teach. And we do like to teach people, and I'm sure your wife is always teaching you something that you don't know. She is my best teacher. Well, I love the mentoring idea, and I think it's wonderful. That's the way doctors used to be trained in the old days, and now it seems we're just kind of like out there on our own after medical school and residency, and this is a wonderful thing. Well, it really is. In fact, one of the comments that I've gotten from the young women that I've mentored in my office is that it's not so much that they learned how to do something, but they learned management of time, dealing with patients, how to talk to different age groups, and just how to become a doctor. And it's not just about knowing the material. It's knowing how to run a practice, knowing how to handle patients, knowing how to handle employees. We don't get that in training. And as I teach medical students, I go, it's not what you do that's important. It's who you are that makes a difference as a physician. I agree completely. Now, I understand that you're linking up or working to link up with other women's professional organizations. Are there professional organizations for women in other specialties, and do you know anything about them? Our concentration has been within dermatology women's group abroad, and we'll have uh, networking meetings with the international women's dermatology groups. We have as yet not done as much with non-dermatologic women organizations, but it's certainly a forum, assuming that their agenda, as ours is, is for an emphasis on mentoring and for outreach to the public. And as you pointed out earlier, not so much political. We are definitely an apolitical group. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I am speaking with Mary Lupo, who is the current president of the Women's Dermatology Society, of which I have become fascinated. There is an International Women's Derm Society. Do we get to meet in the south of France if I join that one? The last meeting was in Rhodes, Greece. So I, I guess you've got a shot at that, Michael. That's a separate organization, right? Yeah, there's a separate organization in Europe, but they can become affiliate members of our organization. We have a number of international members. Can I join them too? Well, you know, you can probably join in some affiliate capacity. You'll take me as a full member, right? Wait, you're not a dermatologist. Sure I am. Oh, well, absolutely. Oh, and you're not a member? I am as of today. Well, I'm shocked that you're not a member because, you know, all the really cool guys in dermatology are already members of Women's Derm. So, you, so you're, you're behind them now, Michael. The great men leaders know that behind every great man, there's a great woman. And in this case, a great woman's organization. So you need to join. I'm shocked. I'm already joined. Trust okay. me. I'm going to join the international one, too. Okay. okay. Now, let's talk about women in dermatology. What percentage of residents in derm are women these days? Well, it's right about 50%. And it's been like that for a while. I'm becoming ancient rather quickly, unfortunately. And when I started my residency in 1981, women were not any close to the majority. We were in the minority. And there was no maternity leave at that time. And it was a very, very difficult time to be, and, and this is not singular to dermatology. It was women in all residencies back in the early 80s. We had no maternity leave. And those of us who were 
pregnant and had to have time off, we literally would have to save our vacation time and take our vacation time in order to have children and spend a little time at home. So it's very difficult to go through nine months of pregnancy and have not a day off. But back then, that's what we had to do, unfortunately. And what's it like now? Well, now there's family leave and there's maternal leave. It's it's a very different thing, and that's good because it allows women to have more choices and more options. And I think that's one of the messages of the WDS. We've frequently had retreats where the topic of the retreat is choices and options that women have, both personally and professionally. And it's a wonderful time to be a woman, and it's a wonderful time to be a woman in dermatology as well as all in medicine, in my opinion. Okay, well, let's talk about something else. I want to disprove something because I did a little study with your practice. You don't know about it yet. But there was an article that with dermatology, you can get an appointment faster to do Botox than you can to have a skin screen. Are you aware of that article? I was aware of that article. And I would have to say that that makes us all as dermatologists a little uncomfortable. I think that there are some things that I think the general population perhaps don't know and it would be beneficial to know that is that it takes a lot longer to do mole checks it's like more of a medical thing believe it or not the typical botox appointment for the doctor takes less than five minutes i know that everyone handles their practice differently most of the dermatologists i know leave one or two slots open every day for emergencies because we do see emergencies in dermatology. People will call up with severe poison ivy. People will call up with infections, severe bug bites, reactions to medications, that sort of thing. And you really want as a medical doctor to be able to see those people in a timely manner. So I don't know the details. Were these new patients? Were these established patients? Because it's always quicker to get an appointment if you're an established patient than if you're a new patient. They didn't say that, but... Yeah, I just don't know enough, and I don't think it was explained enough, and and also where, what were the cities, because I think there's great variable. There was a recent manpower study that showed, for example, in Louisiana, at most a 21-day wait for a new medical appointment, whereas in Pennsylvania, it was two and a half months. So there was extreme variability, and I think that it doesn't just change from city to city, but from city to urban to rural. You know, there's a lot of variability. I think the message is clear that we need as dermatologists to remember our roots, and our roots are taking care of medical problems. However, we cannot ignore the fact that dermatologists have been at the forefront of what is known as non-surgical skin rejuvenation. And that refers to all aspects of medical procedures that make the skin and the person look younger without surgery. And that includes fillers, Botox, lasers, just to name a few. And dermatologists have pioneered that. So naturally, we have a tremendous demand on our time because as people get older, the baby boomers are getting older, they want to look younger, there's a tremendous demand for these aesthetic procedures. And over 3.2 million people got Botox last year. This has become a mainstream procedure. It is safe, and it is effective, and it is popular. And I think the challenge to us as dermatologists is to balance the need for people to want to look better and the quality of life issues that that represents, as well as balancing that with the need for medical evaluation and prompt 
and accurate medical diagnosis. We do not want our patients to have to go to a non-dermatologist because we know that dermatologists have a higher accuracy level in identifying skin cancers. Well, I blew that myth apart yesterday because I called your office anonymously and tried to get two appointments, and one was for a mole check and one was for Botox, and I was able to get in much earlier for the mole check than Botox. Thank you. And okay, I, well, I take that as a personal victory. It but is. Because, you know, there's a tremendous economic pressure on physicians because physicians want to do right by our patients, but I don't know if the public realizes the tremendous encroachment onto our existence with managed care and how we make ends meet with, you know, employees don't get paid less money, and yet year to year, HMOs and PPOs will cut what we get paid for an office visit. So I think Botox has helped keep some doctors in business. Mary, I want to thank you for being our guest today and sharing your insights into the Women's Derm Society. It was my pleasure. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients, and we thank you for listening.